always sweet to have Mallory here with us because she's just so, such a good fit for that song. And that song is so appropriate for today because today we're untying the knots that limit your magnificence and abundance. So I'm going to invite you to just settle in to this moment even more as we, we use the chant. And that chant opens up the field. It really is about an invitation for spirit to come and for us to come closer. And so it opens up that energetic field, which is so beautiful. So I'm going to sound our chime and let you and just relax, put down any, any figuring, planning, anything mentally that you are about right now. Let's take a 30-second pause and just be. very room there's quite enough love for all the world and in this very room there's quite enough joy for all the world and there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear for spirit one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. And so standing upon this, this flow, this resonance of, of love that our chants have brought us to, to come and to presence ourselves in this very room and declare there is enough love in this very space for all the world. I agree with that and so much more. I, I step onto that, that, that runway of spiritual connection, recognition, truth, beauty, love, that, that one life, that perfect life. I affirm in the I am for each person here and all that is required is a yes in your heart. But that life is my life. And so standing in that and standing in the wonder and knowing and surrendering to that and allowing that and just being present with it, that I know that it moves in and through and as, guiding, directing, resourcing, supporting, rejuvenating, enlivening in, in ways we can describe in other ways we cannot, awe-inspiring. And so in opening to that field, this field of unconditional love, I just give thanks I know that something powerful and beautiful is moving in and through and as each and every person available to the impress that this sacred temple that each and every one of us represents is fully supplied, fully orbed, washing clean this day. This day is a day of purification, of letting go and stepping in to this field, this pristine field of possibility and opportunity. With that said, knowing that every right thing is, reveals itself in the right way, in the right time for each and every one, I give thanks, invite you to say with me. And so it is. All right. Well, you see my rope hanging up here, and, and I think it was David Brown said to me, you've reached the end of your rope. So I thought, it's all kinds of, did everybody get a, a string coming in? If you don't have a string, you may want to get one. And, and no worries if you don't, you can, we'll get you one. But 
we're practically giving string away today. So, But you will want to have one of those before we're done. Because today is untying the knots that limit your magnificence and abundance. And so I want to talk to you this week. We're talking about abundance this month. And, and abundance, I haven't talked a lot about money. Because abundance is really, money's a piece of abundance. You know, it's a, it's a conveyance. It's a way we exchange goods and services. So it's, it's, a par, it's part of it. But it's really, a, it, that's really the effect. Because it's the consciousness beneath the exchange that is so potent and, and uh, impactful. And so that's why you've, you haven't had me doing a lot of talking about money. Although I'm going to probably burn a $100 bill up here next week just to honor money. I would not do that, by the way. But you, you may want to come back next week and see. So there's three things that I wanted to address today. Um, first one is accepting the perfection and magnificence that we all are, that you are, that I am. Because it's so difficult sometimes to wrap ourselves around that because we've we've all had disappointments with ourselves or with others in the world and then those stories of course we we carry forward and and the healthier we are in our states of of spiritual and and emotional and psychological development the the better able we are to put them in a context and and you know as 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 metaphysicians upon this planet um, it's so important I think that we have understanding because when we understand things we have insight and when we educate ourselves we're better able to then bring a new consciousness to the thing with understanding. And not a lot of people, there's a, that's not a popular idea out there because there's a lot of people that are responding at a very, uh, at the level of survival, which is the first level of development. You see a lot of survival going on out there in the world. And, and so to understand it allows, us, allows me to stand in greater compassion when I see it happening. So the, accepting the perfection of the magnificence we are. Number two would be the power of gratitude. And number three, untying the knots, cutting the cords, and making new vows. Because we have to make room for the new. And so we're going to do a ritual with our string today. I'm going to use the, the rope as a metaphor and explain that in, um, as we move along. So number one is accepting the perfection and magnificence that you are. Are you willing to do that today? Okay, so I'm going to invite you to stand up, find a partner, somebody that you can look in their eyes and and gaze in wonder, the namaste, the divinity within me honors the divinity within you. So, how about, good morning. morning. You are magnificent. magnificent. Wow. Wow. Holy Holy smokes. I am so glad you are here. You are the face of God. You are beautiful. You are powerful. You have unbounded possibilities. And we welcome your gifts. Thank you for being who you are. Bless you. And so it is. Beautiful, beautiful. What do you think the U.S. House of Representatives would look like if they got up every time and started the session that way? They crossed the aisle, and the Republicans looked into the eyes of the Democrats. Donald Trump looked into Bernie Sanders' eyes and said, Bless you, Bernie. Well, we'll do it until they can catch up with us, okay? Yeah, we're doing it for them, for the world. And so I have this wonderful uh, story I want to share with you about accepting the perfection and magnificence that we are. That I think illustrates um, uh, this idea beautifully. And story's nice because we remember story for the most part. And this is the story of the stonecutter. 
So there, was, there once was a stonecutter who was dissatisfied with himself and with his position in life. And one day he passed a wealthy merchant's house, and through the open gateway he saw many fine possessions and important visitors. How powerful that merchant must be, thought the stonecutter. He, he became very envious and wished that he could be like the merchant. To his great surprise, he suddenly became the merchant, enjoying more luxuries and power than he had ever imagined but envied and detested by those less wealthy than himself. Soon a high official passed by, carried in a sedan chair, accompanied by attendants and escorted by soldiers beating gongs. Everyone, no matter how wealthy, had to bow low before the procession. How powerful that official is, he thought. I wish I could be that high official. And then he became the high official. I mean, this guy can demonstrate, huh? He, he was carried, and, he, and this, now he was carried everywhere in, his, in the, his embroidered sedan chair. He was feared and he was hated by the people all around. It was a hot summer day, so the official felt very uncomfortable in the sticky sedan chair. He looked up at the sun. It shone proudly in the sky, unaffected by his presence. How powerful the sun is, he said to himself. I wish I could be that sun. And then he became the sun shining fiercely down on everyone, scorching the fields, cursed by the farmers and laborers. But a huge black cloud moved between him and the earth. Hmm. So that the, the, the light could no longer shine on everything below. How powerful that storm cloud is, he thought. I wish I could be a cloud. And then he became the cloud. He was flooding the fields and villages, shouted at by everyone, but soon he found that he was being pushed away by a great force. He realized that it was the wind. How powerful it is, he said. I wish I could be the wind. And then he became the wind, blowing tiles off roofs of houses, uprooting trees, feared and hated by all, of, all the people that were affected by him. But after a while, he ran up against something that would not move, no matter how forcefully he blew against it, a huge towering rock. How powerful that rock is, he thought. I wish I could be that rock. And then he became the rock, more powerful than anything else on earth. But he stood there. He heard the sound of a hammer pounding a chisel into the hard surface, and he felt himself being changed. What could be more powerful than I, the rock, he thought. He looked down and saw far below him the figure of a stonecutter. So it's a beautiful story about the, 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 the cycle of life and, and that, that power is relative. You know, that, you know, he started out being the sun and then he realized, well, the cloud is more powerful than the sun because the cloud can block the sun. And then, and then of course, the, he's, a, he's the cloud and then he realizes, well, wait a minute, here's the wind, even more powerful than the cloud that will push me wherever I want to go. And then, of course, you know, so the whole paradox of, of uh, power being relative. And it's, it's illusionary because if we, we understand our power to be based on other conditions and, and, and in comparison... We're really not in power at all. We're just, we're just kind of jockeying for position to feel good about whatever's going on. It's a, so it's all, all very illusionary. It's arbitrary. What, what is power to one is a weakness to another. So the story suggests that each of us contains sufficient worth, just as we are. I mean, which is the core of our teaching that there is a perfection that lives within each and every person that does not, we don't obtain it, we reveal it. And so, but we, we have stories that, and, and, and strategies to, to move us into 
what we feel like would be a better identity or a different story or, or whatever it may be, when in fact, in, in the spiritual path is really one of growing into the truth of our being, despite what the conditions are, despite what's happening in the world. So it's a story about we're all good enough right now. We're all good enough right now, just as we are. The greatest hurt on the planet is to think that you are not enough. It doesn't help anybody to think that you are not enough. I'm enough today with what I have to offer. My gift is enough. Who I am is enough. And to live from that expansion is very, very powerful and healthy and true. It's not something we make up. And yet it's, it's, it's somewhat of a challenge to land there because of some of the vows that we have taken. And some of those vows need to be broken. Some of those attachments need to be cut. There's actually a term for, there's a phobia called atelophobia. Atelophobia. Anybody know what that means? It is the fear of not being enough. It's got its own phobia. It's good to know, huh? If someone comes up to you and says, I have atelophobia, then you know exactly. Well, I don't agree with you. Dr. Ernest Holmes said this. He said, I am guided by the same intelligence and inspired by the same imagination which scattered the moonbeams across the waves and holds the force of nature in its grasp. In other words, we're all connected to that, that flow of life. That, that, and how do, we, how do we live more and more from that? That is the challenge. We're made of that. And what makes us think we're not enough? Did you know that the human mind, I, um, I watched a presentation on YouTube, you know, YouTube's such a wonderful library of information, and there was a man that talked about, he was um, working with a Navy SEAL, he'd met this Navy SEAL and invited him to come live with his family, so he lived with the family for a month, and he wanted to understand how these, these elite warriors train their mindsets. And he said he, the, the Navy SEAL moved in with the family and the first day. He said, you know, he wanted this man to train him because he was also an athlete and, and uh, wanted to excel. And he went out in the backyard and the, the, guy, the Navy SEAL said to him, do as many pull-ups as you can. And so the fellow did eight of them. And then he said, okay, do it again. And he did four. And then he, he said, I, and I barely did two more when he said, do, do some more. And, and then the Navy SEAL looked at him and said, okay, and now you're going to do 100 more before we're, we're done. And, he, and what he said to himself after he'd done the, two, the last two that he felt like that's it, he says, I'm, you know, that's all, that's all I got. And so lo and behold, he said, we, we stayed there until I did 100 more. He said, I did them one at a time. It took quite a while, but we got the 100 done. But what the mind will do for us, our, our, the way our mind operates, when we're at 40% of depletion, we will think we're done. 40%. That's how the mind operates. That's what the Navy SEAL said. We know this. He said in the, the, the elite training we do. So when, when you reach the point where you can't do it anymore, you've got 60% left in the tank. Isn't that fascinating? But I mean, to, to fall into the, ah, I can't do it anymore. Oh, okay. But that's just the mind. So when we understand it, to have that insight, oh, that's just me. I'm at 40% now. I can't do it anymore. Rather than say, I'm done. Okay, I'm leaving. See ya. You know, that's what... Uh, um, I think Lao Tzu, Lao Tzu finally gave up on the Chinese people. He's trying to teach all this ancient wisdom. He got on his water buffalo and was riding out of town. He says, you guys, I'm done with you guys. Done, done, done. Sharing all this wisdom with you. So it's easy to go there. We've all gone there. So the, the thing about this is there's no limit to what spirit, what God, what creator can do. There's no limit. And we're a community of possibility thinkers. We are powerful, powerful beyond measure. Each and every one of us. Each and every one of us. So... 
just to bring the current events into the room, I want to just talk about Donald Trump a little bit because he's such a great example. Anybody here uh, concerned about Donald at all? Okay. Just want to float it up there in this, in this container of love and possibility. See, what, what Donald has done, and I've talked about him every week since the election because it's been such an unexpected occurrence, in my world anyway. But, but what Donald is doing is he's, he's bringing up the things that is our opportunity to heal. He's, he's modeling. In other words, he's teaching. What he's teaching is how not to be. <laughs> right? I mean, how many great teachers have we had in our lives? The way I parent my children is exactly opposite to what my mom and dad did. Now, my mom and dad did the best they could with what they had. But I refuse to use their model to parent my children. Because, you know, if they're going to have to go to therapy the rest of their lives, I'd rather have them go for other reasons than, than mine. But the point being is that, that so many of us learn how to be in the world, how we want to be in the world, by observing people that are not doing, doing things that we say, I don't want to do that. He's modeling for us what not to do, to say, to be. What Donald does is he worships at the unholy trinity. He worships at the unholy trinity. He worships at me, myself, and I. And he just does. But when we understand it and we realize that, so Donald is very much at that, that survival level of aliveness. That it's me against the world. That everything is, a, is a, a challenge and a conquest. There's a winner and there's a loser in every relationship. That's his mindset. You hear him, he, and, and that's what he speaks from. And you and I get a chance to say, geez, that's, that's the model for me. That's the way I want to be. Or we get to say, nah, maybe not. You know, why does it have to be winners and losers? So the language, what I know about our community and what I know about the tribe of cultural creatives is the language of hate we do not support or condone. The language of fear we don't support or condone. We don't encourage misogyny, which is the hatred of women. Xenophobia, which is the dislike of anyone who has a different colored skin than you have or might be from a different country. The religious intolerance and the people that he's pointed to is the problem. And so for us to have the opportunity to realize that he's just, he is just distracting. See, the problem is never the problem. There's a deeper problem. And, and we get to stand in the, the tribe of wisdom to understand, we hear what you're saying, Donald, but you might be missing the mark. It might not be that. But people want simple, fast, quick answers. So impatience can be a, a challenge at times as well. Religious intolerance, bigotry, you know, the attack against lifestyles. I mean, all these things that so many people have given their, 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 their heart and soul to establishing freedoms and, and understanding and a depth of celebrating one another's differences that people feel are challenged right now. But see, the good, the good news is there's enough people awake and aware. There's enough things in place that I think it's going to be, it's gonna, and it's a chance to take a stand. You know, the violence that's breaking out and some of the marginalized groups that are, that are popping up and, and uh, the, the, all that stuff. And so Donald is the, the catalyst for that. Those are the things that we get to heal. It's to take a stand in this, this period of, of love See, when we understand our, our magnificence, our spiritual magnificence, and we do our own spiritual practice, then when we take the stand for love, to be a sacred activist, that we know peace, and to stand passionately about transformation. 
Yeah, 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 those are limiting ideas, but that's the language of fear. I don't speak that language. I'm over here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be over here. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna find ways to be the presence of love in my world, in my life, in my being right now. And anything, you're not gonna convince me because you're not my source. I mean, if we look, out at, if we look at this from 30,000 feet, back in the 1850s, it used to be acceptable. People would, could come into town with, a, with a, a cart full of chemicals and jars, and he, a man could stand there, or a woman, probably a man at that time, and could sell you these products that were not regulated, that you didn't know what was in the bottle, that would say to you, you know what, you take this, and all your, all your arthritis will be gone. Whatever ails you, this will fix it up. And they're selling stuff that would kill people. I mean, during Prohibition, people would make their own alcohol. People would go blind drinking their own alcohol. People would, would, would die drinking their own alcohol. All of those, they don't do that anymore. That's illegal, you can't do that. So it takes some time once in a while. It used to be okay back in the 1850s to own another person and say, you're gonna work for me because I bought you. Now there's still slavery on the planet, but what I'm saying is if we look over the continuum of consciousness and, and what we've grown into as a people, there's all these things that are inequitable and unjust eventually are brought back into order. Now you and I, I would like it now. You know, I would, I, I would like it to be a different conversation we're having, but right now, if I trust the presence of spirit upon this planet, I know that this too has come for us to bring healing to it. And, and what that looks like and what is ours to do will, will continue to be revealed. But I'm not gonna slide in, I'm not gonna join that conversation. I'm not gonna agree with things I don't stand for. And there are many, many people, there are far more people alive on the planet right now that, that dis, disagree with that idea than agree. I know that for a fact. So where it takes us, I don't know, but we have come here to love. We have come here to learn how to love at a deeper level. Love one another, love our families, you know. I love my mom and dad. I look at the stuff they did and you know what, I, I don't agree with it. A lot of it, but that's the best they had. And I can see it now from the eyes of wisdom so it doesn't torture me. It's not part of my unhealed past. It's part of understanding at a depth of being so, so that I can bring a new narrative to it, a new perspective to it. And that's part of developing in, in consciousness and psychological uh, uh, propensity as well. So we're put on this planet to love. We're put on this planet to midwife the greater yet to be. God is the source of all love. We live in an abundant universe. There's no limit to what the spirit, what creator can do. We live in an abundant universe. And if we approach life as if there were, were enough to go around, if we knew that, we knew that in our hearts and in embodied beliefs, it would cause us all to be more grateful and generous because it never runs out. See, the things that are rich and wonderful and that are abundant, they never run out. They're endless, it's love, it's peace. Man, when you live in, in love, when you've got love going, I mean, real love, I mean, just not, you know, not just an idea, but when you're in love with life and everything, oh, man, I'm just talking about it, I get the God bomb standing up here. You know, I, it, it wants to, you just want to float off the platform. Here, let's see if I can do it. Yeah, I was up an inch there. <laughs> but you know what I mean? I mean those moments, and, and that is... That is when we connect. Those things are, they never run out. We live in a world that is, is we, we have been hypnotized, and, and, and I'm with you in many ways, and I'm not trying to destroy what we have. I'm not saying let's tear it all apart and you know, all go live in the park together. 
But what I am saying is, is that we have just, that the pendulum has swung so far in terms of materialism. And, and how do we bring this pendulum back? You know, how do we, how do we look at, do you know that for every representative in the, in the U.S., because I've been doing a lot of research on this whole thing going on, how did we get here as a culture? How do we have a political system that, that brings somebody like this to the forefront as our leader? All this leader research and technology and organization is like, what happened? But did you know that, that for every representative in, in the U.S. Senate or uh, Congress, on average, they each have five lobbyists that pay them money to represent their... Uh, their special interest. So if you have, so what's happened is because of the way the system is set up, it's very much, in, so to go there and serve, but to have people that, that are, are you know, paying you handsomely. I mean, I'm talking millions of dollars. I'm not talking, I mean, I think their salaries are, you know, they're, they're good salaries, but they're not close to what they're being uh, supported in terms of supporting the causes. How does this happen? But I'll tell you what, it's happened before in history. It's happened before. It happened when Teddy Roosevelt was president. It happened when FDR was president, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. If you look back through history, this has come before. And there have been people and causes and, and, and ways to bring it back into balance. And I have every, every faith and conviction that that's going to happen. It has to. Because the, the system is broken. The system is broken. And so when Trump's there and we're looking at this, this is an opportunity for people. I, I watched Ralph Nader the other day. What he's doing is putting 1,000 people in each uh, congressional district. He wants to recruit 1,000 volunteers to get together to hold people in that constituency accountable. I mean, this is a grassroots movement that if Trump hadn't shown up, probably wouldn't be happening. But I mean, isn't it great to know that people are mobilizing now and saying, here's a thousand of us that want the highest and best, that we're not just here to rape the planet and get all that we can get. Because I'll tell you what it is about that. I love having a, you know, a, a warm car and a warm bed, and I think everybody should have that. I, you know, I love having a, a comfortable home, all of those things. But when it becomes the, um, the focus of our, of our lives, we're missing something. Because unfortunately, you can never get enough of what you don't need. Isn't that true about addiction? You can never get enough of what you don't need. How many more drinks are you going to have? Ah, just one more. Then I'll go to my 12-step meeting. You know? One more pair of shoes. You know, it's the holiday season. It's like, all right, do I have to go buy a present? But I'm just saying, it is the, and, and I'm not criticizing that. When you give a gift from your heart, it's beautiful, 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 beautiful. But how many of us give a gift in this season of giving, in this season of light from our hearts? You know, the gift exchanges and the things, the obligatory generosity could not be more empty. It's just something to think about. You never get enough of what you don't need. But love never runs out. Peace never runs out. Joy never runs out. And the, and the reason is they're some of the highest characteristics of what the Creator's image and likeness is. And we are that very thing. Yeah, I, I used the example last week of Matt Cohen. If you weren't here, I'll repeat it real quickly because I love the model. And I know that uh, Lewis came up to me afterwards and said, hey, I'm going to adopt this model. But Matt Cohen is this young researcher. You can see him on, if you go on for a TED Talk, it's M-A-T-T -T and it's C-O-N-E. It's a six-minute video, I think. It's just very short. 
But he talks about what he did to activate generosity and in in abundance in his life. And what he did is he decided he was going to live on 70% of his income. He was going to give 10% to people, 10% to causes, and 10% of his income to magic. And so what he did is he started, he found a, a cause that he loves. For him, it was the uh, continuing education in Nepal. He loves the, the, the Nepal people, loves the culture. And so he found a way to support continuing education in Nepal. Then he found a young student in Nepal that wanted to be a, a pilot, professional pilot. And so he, he decided to sponsor this student. So 10% of his income sponsors this student to pay for the training and uh, the, whatever he needs to resource himself, to equip himself to be a pilot. And then 10% goes to magic. And magic is going somewhere and, and paying for someone's, uh, paying something anonymously for something. So he used the example of the group in New York City that would go in and they'd find the parking meters that were running out and they'd walk around with their quarters and they'd fill the parking meter so people wouldn't get these tra- traffic tickets. Now they made that illegal in New York City, but they're still doing it. They just are sneakier about it now. So they're gorilla uh, parking meter pluggers. I don't know what the, maybe we get t-shirts made up. Barbie Lee will come up with an idea for that. She'll come up with an acronym. But the point being is, so what happens is he's taking some of what he has and he's giving it back in ways that, of things he cares about, support, and also tithing to magic. I'm going to plant a seed here of possibility. What a wonderful way to live. Can you imagine what the world would look like if we were all doing that? But that's possible. It's possible. You know, and, I, and as I said last week, maybe we can't do 10, 10, 10, 70, maybe, but maybe we can do, I don't know, 97 and 1, 1, 1 to begin. But it's about the consciousness upon it and, and moving in that direction and starting to open ourselves up. Matt Cohen said he was unemployed when he started doing this. He had finished a project and he didn't have a job. And he said in three months into this, he received this incredible job offer. Doesn't describe it. I tried to get more information. I don't know what it looks like, but he said it was amazing. But it's talking about stepping into the flow and not just giving it lip service in our heads, but saying, you know what? I want to I contribute. I'm here to contribute. That's the next step down from the highest level of spiritual development there is, which is I want to make a difference. Do you know what the highest level is? Service. Service. I told Sue, I had to apologize to her. I told, I'll make an announcement because we're, we, we really can use your, your, your pieces of service within our community right now. And I forgot the first service. But service is the highest level of spiritual practice. Giving of ourselves to one another without condition. And so if you're interested in that, Sue has wonderful things to talk to you about because sometimes it just takes moments. But we are a service. We, are, we, we rely tremendously on, on service here. So next is gratitude because gratitude, see, is a practice. And gratitude ties in with appreciation. They're different, though, because gratitude, gratitude is a sort of a, a decision we make. You know, I'm going to be grateful here, but appreciation is sort of we step back and we admire. You know, appreciation is sort of that, 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 that uh, art gallery perspective of gratitude. Hmm, I really appreciate that. Thank you. But gratitude turns scarcity into abundance. Gratitude turns chaos into order, denial into acceptance. It takes us from confusion to clarity. It turns a meal into a feast, a house into a home, a stranger into a friend. It's gratitude. You know, if we stand on the planet and we recognize the divinity that is before us, you know, as Mark Coleman was telling me, he came into church, he's here for two services today, so he must 
must like the first one. But Mark, uh, such a wonderful presence. And he talked about the guy that goes up and down White Avenue on roller skates and on guitar. And he said, have you ever talked to that guy? I said, no, I see him once in a while. He said, it's like talking to Jesus. I said, awesome. You know, we'll get him to roller skate in here one day. And I don't know what that means, but I just thought, but here's Mark, an ambassador of someone that understands and is enrolled in his spiritual practice, to be able to recognize that in another priest. And it's not an accident that he came together in a, in a meaningful way with this guy. Like attracts like. The Jesus in him saw the Jesus in you, the Christ. It's a beautiful thing. A stranger, these things turn a stranger into a friend. It creates peace. Right now, gratitude does. Peace. When we're grateful, it's really hard to do anything else. And it it also gives a a, a launching pad for a vision. Gratitude will help us take us into a new vision. I'm so grateful for this day. I'm so grateful for this moment. I'm so grateful to, to have what I have. We are surrounded by and immersed in an infinite good. How much of this infinite good is yours? All of it. All of it. And how much may you and I use? As Dr. Holmes would say, as much as we can embody. So why wouldn't we want to do our spiritual practice and our spiritual house cleaning and do deep examination of where we get, we get stuck? So I've come to the end of my rope. I, I'm inspired by this simply because when we went to Abhijanya, we've been to John of God, I've been there three times, and some of you have been there with me, and, some, and you went without me last time. Still, I'm still recovering from that, but I'll get over it. But I love going there. It's a wonderful experience. And in the lobby of the little posada where we, we um, stay, there's this image of this saint, this, the saint of untying knots. And so I thought about that, about how we all, we make agreements. We've all made agreements. We've all tied knots within our spiritual uh, energetic field with things that it's just time to untie. This, this, this was first, the, the, it's called Mary, the Untire of Knots. And it was first completed in 1989 in Austria. And it was inspired in response to the Ch- Chernobyl disaster. So it's not an ancient idea, but it's a new and rich idea. It's the image of Mary, the undoer of knots. It is especially venerated in Argentina and Brazil. Where churches have been named for her and devotion to her has become widespread in which the guardian called a religious, it's a religious craze for them. So very important to these people. I mean, Brazil is, is so alive with spirituality like none other I've ever experienced in my life. And I think that's probably true of so many places, the beautiful places on this planet that we could go to. It's also Pope Francis's, uh, one of his favorite images. And he brought a postcard to, to Pope Benedict before he was, when he was a cardinal and wanted to share it with him and talk about this Mary and Tyre and Knots. So it's a beautiful, beautiful metaphor, an example. And so what I want to do is, I want, to, I want you to witness with me and energetically participate in, these represent all the knots that we may have in our lives. And so the first knot that I'm going to untie here is this idea that, that you're, you and I are not enough. It's time for that knot to get untied. You and I are not enough. Whoop, gone, gone. And the next one I'm going to untie is, there's not enough. There's not enough time. There's not enough resources. There's not enough people. There's not enough love. There's not enough. We're untying that one. Because there's plenty. Because all the things that are great and beautiful, they never run out. 
So who, does anybody have a suggestion? Because I got a whole list up here that I can go through, but it's fun to see who. Anybody got a knot they'd like untied? Obligation. Obligation. So I'm going to untie the knot of obligation on behalf of every person here. So obligation, untied. Fear. fear. We're going to untie the fear knot. Oh, it's a tough one. Man, I really pulled on that one. All right. There, fear. Untied. Untied. Free it. Give it back to source. We're giving these things back to source. Not to one another, not to our, our, our ancestors, but give it back to source to, to be transformed. Someone said, did someone say truth? You want to untie the knot of truth? All right. So, because truth is a wonderful quality. So what, um, uh, ignorance? Let's untie the knot of ignorance. All right. Doesn't that feel good? Do you feel that? <sighs> Holy cow. We are moving. Judgment and condemnation, criticism, blame, shame. This one knot, big knot. Ooh, look at that. Open her up. I'm going to be selling this rope, by the way, in the lobby on the way out. I have 100 feet of it in my office. I wanted a nice big one. I'm like, I want that big rope. 100 feet, okay, I'll buy 100 feet. We'll be doing this talk many times. So scarcity. What about scarcity? You know, scarcity is so popular. I did that talk last week about Peter uh, Diamandi and about what's coming, what's happening on the planet. But we don't hear about it because it doesn't titillate us and capture our awareness because the amygdala is there to stand guard against all of the horrible things that are coming. When we understand, we go, oh, wait a minute. There's good stuff happening. Scarcity. Yes. And let's just use this last knot, any, any restriction, any restriction and limitation that we carry with us that no longer we need to carry. We are not here to carry these things. Let us free ourselves in celebration of the freedom of the free flow of, of inspiration, opportunity, anywhere that we limit ourselves in any way, shape, or form, physically, spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, we untie that knot. Whew. There we go. A little bit longer. Yay! I'd jump it if I could, but I'm, it's, too, it's too short. Well, 10 years ago, I could have jumped it, but now I'm metaphorically jumping it. All right. So, we have untied the knots. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. We've cleared. See, we, there's got to be clearing. There's got to be this, this, this moving aside to make room. And so, what I'm going to invite you to do now is, here's your string. You got your red string? Here it is. All right. So, first thing I'm going to invite you to do, we have a basket in the back with little scissors in it. And so I'm going to invite you to, if uh, Agnes, can you be the scissor maven lady today? Beautiful. We're going to get them, we're going to circulate them. I went to the dollar store and bought 20 little, and they're cute little scissors, and they have rounded edges, so you could even run with them. I wouldn't recommend it. (laughs) But they have little figurines of animals on them. It's, they're very sweet. I don't know, a buck and a quarter. I, I'll take 20 of those. Because I love this idea. So we're going to cut. And I'm going to tell you, before you cut, I'm going to ask you to partner with somebody or find somebody and we'll do it. It'll be very organic. But to hold your string as you think about this. But before you hold it up for it to be ready to be cut, I want to I just let you know what, what I think we're cutting. And it's right in the book by uh, John Randolph Price. In the abundance book that we're using this month, that little green one, we have it, uh, I have it right here. There's copies in the bookstore. Wonderful, wonderful 40-day practice in this book. And this comes from the book. 
And so this is the first thing that you do when you step into the 40-day practice. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to commit to this 40-day practice in front of you right now. I've been doing it, but very hit and miss. And I am making the vow that I'm going to, I'm going to um, commit to this 40-day practice. And I'm hoping you do as well, because I want to hear your stories. I want to use your consciousness and your awareness and your mind in a new way to open yourself up. I mean, why not? How many people here are planning on living another 40 days? All right, half of you are. All right, good. The rest of you guys aren't going to make it. Don't worry about doing the practice. But for those of you that are planning on another 40 days, here we go. But what it says in there before you do the, the, the statements. Now, the statements, in case you don't want to purchase the book... I typed them out for you in the wee hours this morning. And they're on a piece of paper, and they're in the bookstore. So you could go right in there, and for, for $10, you can just buy the piece of paper instead of paying 8 bucks for the book. You know what I mean? <laughs> Such a bargain. They are, there for, they are there free. They're my gift to you. And what I want to do uh, with that is I find a way to, to uh, honor John Randolph Price and send him a, a tithe. But I want people to have this. I don't want you to say, ah, I couldn't do the book, couldn't buy the book. No excuse. They're there. There's 10 statements. And you use a declarative statement once a day for 40 days. So you do each statement four times. They're there. But before you do that, you write this out. And in, in celebration and setting up our, our string cutting, I want, you, I want to read this to you. So you write this out yourself prior to doing the 40 days. It says, the day, this day, which is November 27, 2016, I cease believing invisible money is my supply and my support. And I view the world of effect as it truly is. Simply an outpicturing of my former beliefs. I believe in the power of money. I believed in the power of money and therefore I surrendered my God-given power and authority to an objectified belief. So that's separation. He's just given that up. I used to believe that. I used to believe in the possibility of lack, thus causing a separation in consciousness from the source of my supply. I believed in mortal man and carnal conditions, and through this faith gave man and conditions power over me. How many of us have abdicated our power to others? We get to stop that right now. No more. No more land in there. I believed in the mortal illusion created by the collective consciousness of error, thought, and in doing so, I have limited the unlimited. No more. This day I renounce my humanhood and claim my divine inheritance as a being of God. So there's some ideas that we can put down just like him. I used to believe in those things. I'm not believing in them anymore. So the vow that we've taken with scarcity, the vows that we've taken with limitation, this string as we cut it, and I'm going to invite you to cut it on one end or the other because we're going to use the string going forward. That'll be the next piece of this. But taking your string and knowing that as this is cut, I am cutting all my ties to lack and limitation, to scarcity. Now, Ernest Holmes never did, did not teach reincarnation, but he never said he didn't believe in it. He just didn't teach it because he didn't want to distract people because that gets him off into a whole other thing, and he thought, felt we had our hands full with this present life, this present moment. But just suppose we were not just one incarnation, just one life. And suppose most of us were members of, of communities of monks and nuns or whatever it may be, and we took vows of poverty. Just imagine, might be true, maybe not, that we might be carrying those, those vows forward. Or we may have had people in our, in our genealogy that took those vows. Our grandmothers and grandparents and great-grandparents, somebody down there took a vow of poverty, whatever it may be. And we have an invisible loyalty to their vow. We get to take this string and hold it up and say, you know what, I am cutting my ties to my ancestors, 
to a, to a, a culture and a, and a lineage of limitation and scarcity and lack. And what I'm knowing is we give that vow back to source to be transformed. We don't have to give it back to anybody. They don't want it back. It didn't work for them. Why do we want them to have it again? But what this does is it frees us to really stand in our, our divinity, to stand in that flow and realize I'm cutting all ties to anything and everything that limits my good finding me, resourcing me, supplying me. And I'm talking love, I'm talking peace, I'm talking joy, I'm talking creativity, I'm talking financial well-being, balance and harmony. So I'm gonna invite you, if you're ready, these are the, these are the, these, this is what we're cutting. And so if you're ready to cut, and you know in your mind what you're ready to cut and let go of, Somebody told me afterwards that they're going, they just, their, their marriage just fell apart. I said, wow, you talk about cutting vows. But we have taken vows that no longer serve us. So this is, this is a, a metaphor, a kinesthetic ritual to cut the, those ties, those vows. So if you're ready to cut, Arnie's been cutting for me up here. I'm going to let Arnie cut my string again. Ah, can you feel that move, shift? Mm-hmm. Nice. Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. All right. So now what we do, we've got our piece of string. If you cut yours in a way that you're not able to, to um, use this in the way I'm going to suggest, then you can grab another one back there. So now what we're going to do is we're going to take new vows. And in the sheet that I said we have in the bookstore, right? And it starts out with, God is lavish, unfailing abundance. So one of these statements a day for 10 days, and then you repeat it for 40 days. You do it four times. I would say, why just limit it to 40 days? Why not keep on going? Every day, this is how long this takes, folks. You would say this. Here, let me time myself. God is lavish, unfailing abundance, the rich, omnipotent substance of the universe, this all-providing source of infinite prosperity is individualized as me, the reality of me. That took 12 seconds. I bet you everybody here has 12 seconds. But what I would say is find vows that you're gonna take that are meaningful for you. And I just, I point to that because they're beautiful, they're rich, there's a consciousness upon those words. And then I would, what I would recommend is you tie a knot. I, t- I read that. I'm making a vow. Now this is my new knot. This is what I'm attached to right there. And you knot it with each prayer, with each declaration. I live in an abundant, opulent universe, and I know my good finds me wherever I go. One more knot. So the tradition is, the Buddhist tradition is, that you would tie these knots as you take your, your vows and then you would tie them around your wrist. I've already got one around my wrist. And I leave it loose because I want to continue to tie. And it becomes saturated with your prayers. So when you see one another out in the street, you see somebody with a red string around. And the Buddhist, you'll see it all the time with Buddhists. This represents, and the red, I went back and got red. I got different colors. I said, here, Noreen, here's some, here's some yarn for the weaving circle. I wanted to get red because the Buddhist it's, represents the fullness of life, the richness of life. And so the richness of life that we stand for, and this, becomes, and this becomes a reminder wherever we are, wait a minute, I don't do that anymore. I don't beat myself up anymore. That's when I used to think I wasn't magnificent. That's when I used to think that I wasn't enough. But I've, I've, I've cut those ties. This string, I cut those ties. And if you find yourself picking it up again, you just take your fingers and in the air, cut those ties. 
If you're in an environment with someone where you have a, a, a difficult conversation, when you're leaving, or whatever it may be, when you have an opportunity, cut those ties. Hey, it's over. See you later. I don't want to keep carrying that energy for the rest of my life. Bless them and release them. Cut the ties. So many times we stay energetically attached to things we don't have to carry with us. And so are you willing to do that? Are you willing to go home? Are you willing to to, to tie your knots and start to wear it? And if you're uncomfortable wearing it, you don't have to. Put it somewhere. Put it on your prayer. Put it near your prayer chair. Hang it on something that reminds you. It's a touchstone. Our prayers then become real. It's like a mini prayer flag that the Buddhists would would, uh, use as a metaphor. But this is our opportunity. And so we've untied the knots. We have cut the connection to, the, to those limiting ideas, those vows that we have taken. And it's an opportunity now to create our own vows as adults, as mindful, awake, and aware representatives, individualized expressions of the one life and the one power that we are, that are, we are magnificent beyond measure. Each and every one of you is. That's the truth. That's the truth. So it's time for us to step up in a new way for ourselves, for who we love, for this planet, for possibility. It just keeps getting better and better. That's my knowing. And for this I give thanks. So it is. Blessings.